0: how top that
1: my?
0: I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. Yes, yeah. so without any milk.
1: Hello Nailer fans and welcome to episode number 9 of The Toolbox. I'm your host DJ Abacella. Coming up on this week's show, a member of this past season's Nailer team has retired and is now going into the coaching ranks in the ECHL. Futures deals are done throughout the league. Two former Nailers were on the move. We'll also tell you some of the other significant movement from around the league. One team has a new affiliate, and there are three who are still looking for a friend up at the higher levels coming up this season. We'll have a talk with the voice of the ECHL Kelly Cup champion Colorado Eagles, Kevin McGlue, to talk about his team's second straight championship. And with Where Are They Now, we'll tell you three former Nailers who are now coaches in the college ranks. We start out the toolbox with news, and this week's biggest news comes in the form of a retirement. Forward Derek Army, who began his professional career with the Nailers at the end of the 2013-14 season after he finished his college career at Providence College, was an ECHL All-Rookie team member in 2014-15, was part of the team that went to the Kelly Cup Final in 2015-16, and then played parts of 16-17 and 17-18 here in Wheeling while also spending a significant chunk of time in the American Hockey League. Derek has decided that playing pro hockey will be no more as this season has been completed, but he is going to stay in the sport and he is quickly making the transition to the coaching ranks and he will be the assistant coach for the Worcester Railers. So that means that we will have a chance to see Derek once this season when the Nailers travel to Worcester on February 9th. That'll actually make two Two out of the three stops on that road trip, a connection to somebody who was recently in the Naylor's organization, as after we see Derek on February 9th in Worcester, the very next day we'll go to Portland, Maine, and take on Riley Armstrong's Maine Mariners. The third team on that trip is the Manchester Monarchs, and that's actually where we go first on February 8th, and the Monarchs just named their new head coach this week. That's Doug Christensen. Doug played in the ECHL, namely with Augusta. To Charlotte and Reading, and was recently the Director of Player Development and Recruitment for the United States Hockey League. Elsewhere around the ECHL futures deals have been completed around the league. If you remember we told you earlier this summer the Nailers didn't owe anybody any futures nor were they owed any futures from any other teams. However there were two former Nailers who were involved in futures trades around the league. One of them being Daniel Levins who ended the The 16-17 season started 17-18 with Wheeling. He was traded from Rapid City to Wichita, and then also Stephen Fournier got dealt from the Brampton Beast to the Orlando Solar Bears. Fournier was here mainly during the 14-15 season. Now, does that mean that those two players are locked in with those two teams for next season? No, they still have to sign a contract with them, which will be able to be done after June 16th, but their rights are now with those respective clubs. Some other significant moves around the league first off, Redding was involved with four future deals three of them in which they lost players from as Chase lightly goes to Brampton Ryan Penny goes to Kalamazoo, and Mark Bennett goes to Orlando. The Royals do acquire Braden Lowe from Wichita. Greenville also had a significant day with the future consideration deals as they pick up two strong forwards, one being Phil Lane from the Atlantic Gladiators and one being Will Merchant from the Idaho Steelheads. Next step in the summer is season-ending rosters. Those are due on Friday, June 15th. Similar to the protected list, this is not an alarming situation. This is not something where you should raise an eyebrow, especially when it comes to the nailers, because this is going to be real, real basic. Basically, you take the protected list. That's your starting list that we had back on the 1st of June. Take out the guys who didn't have ECHL contracts in 2017-18, so that would be Gage Quinney and Brett Stern. And as long as your list has 20 or fewer players, which that would leave the Nailers with 18, it's good to go. So really that's what the season-ending roster will do, and that leads you into the first day of being able to sign players, which will be on June 16th more news out of the ECHL the Newfoundland Growlers one of the new teams in the league for 18-19 announced an affiliation with the Toronto Maple Leafs so that opens up another ECHL team looking for an affiliate as Toronto was previously the NHL affiliate for the Orlando Solar Bears so Orlando loses Toronto this summer the Greenville Swamp Rabbits lost the New York Rangers to the Maine Mariners and then Norfolk who separated from Nashville during the season. Those three teams are still looking for affiliates during the summer, and of course, you never know, some affiliate agreements may be coming to an end, and that could also lead to more shuffling around. Plus, we know now also that the Colorado Avalanche are open as the Colorado Eagles, we'll talk to Kevin McGlue, their broadcaster, later on in the toolbox, are going to be making the jump to the American Hockey League. Last year, Columbus Florida, Tampa Bay, and Ottawa did not have ECHL affiliates. Obviously, there are four more NHL teams at 31 than there are ECHL teams 27. So, Colorado, congratulations to them. They are the Kelly Cup champions for the second year in a row, and goodness me, it was not an easy run. In the conference final, they had to come back from a two-goal deficit in Game 7 against the Fort Wayne Comets. And then in the Kelly Cup final, they trailed Florida three games to two, had to win Game 6, and then also trailed in Game 7. It was a 1-1 tie. Clark Seymour, by the way, former Naylor, had an assist on the opening goal for the Everblades. And then, man, I was getting really excited, John McCarron, Part of the 15-16 run to the Kelly Cup final for Wheeling. He scored to give Florida a 2-1 third period lead. However, Colorado comes back. Travis Barron tied it with 9-15 left. And then Gabriel Verpas, a shorthanded goal, wins the Kelly Cup with 2:29 left in the third period. As Colorado won the game 3-2 and the series four games to three. Colorado becoming the fourth team in ECHL history to win back-to-back titles. The Hampton Roads Admirals did it in 1991 and 92. That was when it was still known as the Riley Cup. Then the Toledo Storm did it in 1993 and 1994. And finally, the Allen Americans in 2015 and 2016 before Colorado just did it recently. So we had back-to-back by Allen, back-to-back by Colorado, and my goodness, the Western Conference has been very significant and very convincing in their wins. The last time an Eastern Conference team hoisted the Kelly Cup was Redding back in 2013. Since then, it was the Colorado back-to-back, the Allen back-to-back, and then Alaska had it in 2014. The Colorado one is very unique, and we'll talk more to Kevin about this as it's sort of the reverse of what the Manchester Monarchs did Manchester won the Calder Cup in the AHL in 2015 and then came here to the ECHL and started play in 15-16. Colorado goes the other direction, winning it here in the ECHL before taking the jump into the American Hockey League. And in doing so, they become the first team in the ECHL history that will not have a chance to defend its title Everybody else, after winning the previous 29 championships, had a chance to come back the next year and try and go for back-to-back. But Colorado will not get a chance to make it back-to-back-to-back, at least not in this league. It'll obviously be fascinating to see with that what the ECHL contracted players from Colorado do, and this doesn't even count the guys who are under NHL contract with Colorado Avalanche or last year AHL contract with San Antonio. And you don't want to take anything away from the Quad City Mallards, is remember there are two teams from this year who are not returning to the ECHL in the fall. They have some good players too that will go on the market, and I'm certain will be highly sought after, but when you look at Colorado, a team that wins back-to-back cups... um Teams generally like guys who have had success and can bring that championship experience to the fold. So we'll see how quickly some of those players get scooped off the market as we go into free agency. Again, first day to sign players is June 16th and then July 1st after the qualifying offers go out to eight players from each team. Jumping up in the leagues... The American Hockey League, the Calder Cup, will go to a Game Seven for the first time since 2003. That year, Houston beat Hamilton on the road. It's the 11th Game Seven in Calder Cup final history. It's a 3-3 deadlock between the Toronto Marlies and the Texas Stars. And interesting to note, both teams in the series are two and one on the road. Mentioned last week in the NHL, Washington won the Stanley Cup, and you think they're enjoying it, and it just makes Makes you think and look forward for us where Washington, it's their first championship in 44 years and the players, the fans, the community soaking it all in and hopefully we get a chance to do something like that here as we enter our 27th season in Wheeling, still looking for that first Kelly Cup. Looking again ahead at some important dates that are coming up. We actually, the wheeling Naylor staff, will be headed to Las Vegas next week for the ECHL League meetings. And... Wow, it's going to heat up real fast right after that where you have the NHL Entry Draft coming up that weekend on the Friday and Saturday. Then Pittsburgh Penguins Development Camp is the first week after the NHL Draft. And in addition to our free agency opening up, the NHL free agency opens up on July 1st. And on the next program of the Toolbox, I'll give you the full list of former nailers who are NHL free agents going into the summer. Some of them with Pittsburgh, but also some from various other teams around the National Hockey League. Before we switch gears to Kevin McGlue of the Colorado Eagles, it's time for Where Are They Now? And with Derek Army, a former nailer, jumping into the fold as an assistant coach, I thought it might be fun to talk about some other former nailers who are assistant coaches, specifically around college hockey, and that was a path that Adam Krause Elected to go earlier this summer as he latched on with his alma mater, University of Minnesota-Duluth. So there are three others that I grabbed for you today. First of all, Joe Exter, who was a goaltender for the Nailers from 2003 to 2005. He's an assistant coach at Michigan State. Then there's Michael Gershon, who was a defenseman in 2010-11. He's an assistant coach right up the road at Robert Morris University. And goaltender Peter Menino, who was here in 2013-14, is an associate head coach at Miami University. That's located in Oxford, Ohio. So great to see those three in addition to Krause at Minnesota Duluth. And you never know, maybe we'll see one of those or a few of those guys behind an ECHL bench someday in the near future, just like Derek Army, who will be the assistant coach of the Worcester Railers in 2018-19. We talked about the Colorado Eagles winning the Kelly Cup for the second year in a row, and now let's talk about those Eagles with their radio broadcaster, Kevin McGlue. Kevin, congratulations on a second straight Kelly Cup championship. Now you've had a couple of days to digest this thing. How much fun was it, and was it any different this time around?
0: You know what? Well, first of all, congratulations uh, to, to to the uh, Florida Everblades. I mean, they had a great season and um, certainly gave us a, a, a hard, hard fight. I mean, that's the one thing that uh, that I would say about this year, uh, as opposed to last year. I mean, there's never any sort of a an easy run. I mean, last year was really, really difficult. I know for the for the team and a lot of great teams they faced and uh, a lot of come from behind efforts. But this year was it was just something else. Two game sevens, including a game seven in the Kelly Cup final and. You know, having to to face some some really tough opponents, uh, face some rivals, face some teams that you really don't ever see all that often. Uh, but next thing you know, you're engaged in a in a big seven game series with them. Uh, it, it was a, it was a long ride, but uh, obviously, when you you get the result that you want at the end, it's it's an awful
1: lot of fun. I don't know if you guys got the memo, but usually the first time you win a championship is supposed to be the harder one where you're having to battle through all the different kind of adversity. Last year, you get, you guys made it look real easy where you went five, six, five, and 4 this year. Like you mentioned, Game 7 in the Kelly Cup Final, Game 7 in the Western Conference Final. Was the competition that much better this year or why did this year take maybe a little bit longer than last year?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I mean, obviously I thought Toledo was a really good team last year. I thought South Carolina was a really good team. And I think if you dive in deeper to the actual games themselves, there were a lot of really close games. There were overtime games. There were some come-from-behind wins against both Toledo and South Carolina. But, you know, when you look at the series overall, you know, Colorado won eight straight games to to finish out the playoffs, uh, the last four against Toledo. And then uh, they won four straight to, to, to sweep South Carolina. So, you know the games themselves were not easy. But the, you look at the series; you didn't get into that. Oh boy, you know this this is uh this is dangerous. Now you're facing elimination. You just didn't face that um, when you look at the, at those series last year. And all of a sudden now this year, even going back to the Wichita series, they won two straight games when when Colorado had a three nothing lead, including one that was a six nothing victory here in Colorado. Uh, and next thing you know, it's a 3-2 series going back there. So uh, that none of them were easy. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to say that the competition was was stiffer, but there were some really good teams this year. I thought Fort Wayne was a, a pretty darn complete team. Uh, certainly Florida was a really complete team. I thought Idaho had one of their best teams that they've had in our time here, and they always have a good team. So Wichita's moving certainly very much in the right direction, and they gave us a, a heck of a run. So, yeah, I don't know. And I think part of it is just knowing that you played so many games in the last two years that it almost kind of feels like a continuation of last season because there just wasn't much of an off season last year. So maybe that's uh, that's part of it. But, uh, you know, I, I really feel like um, these guys earned it because they did have to go through some great, great teams.
1: We hear it talked about a lot in the NHL where a team will win a championship like Pittsburgh wins back-to-back, and then the rest of the league tries to kind of imitate what they do, start playing that speed type of a game. After you guys won it in 1617, did you notice anybody kind of try and be you to beat you more this year?
0: No, I don't know if I, if I really saw that, but what you did see is you saw everybody's best shot, I thought, every single night when you asked the players and you yes, the coaches about that who had been there the first year they recognized it i mean everybody kind of got up to to play the eagles this year and wanted to have a chance to uh to, to beat them and certainly wanted to have an opportunity to try to knock them out in the playoffs and uh, i just uh, that's the thing is that there weren't many nights off i mean you, you really saw everybody's best shot every single time he went on the ice so uh, i think that was the thing that, that really jumped out at you is, is there were no easy victories at all this year in the regular season there was uh it was everybody's best shot.
1: One of the most impressive things to watch was how you guys came back twice in Game Sevens. Game 7 against Fort Wayne, you trailed by two goals in the third period. You trailed in the Florida series, first of all, going into Game 6, and then, let alone that, you also trailed by a goal in the third period of Game 7. What was the most impressive feat that this team achieved during the playoff run, if you can only pick one?
0: Well, yeah, that's a good question. I, I really think that... What they did in Game Seven against Fort Wayne was really, really remarkable. I mean, to be down three-one and and uh, again, you're on home ice, and uh, Fort Wayne did a great job in, in in scoring a couple of back-to-back goals that took a little steam out of the building. And and uh, and I think nobody gave up in, in any way, shape, or form, but you knew the task was was pretty steep, and and you were going to have to go out and do something in the last few minutes of that game. It, Next thing you know, they go out there and they do that. And then they win it in overtime. And uh, I'll tell you what, that, that building was uh, absolutely electric. To me, that's, uh, that's one of those that's just super impressive. And then I know game four didn't end up the way that Colorado wanted it to, but to be down 6-2 with about 10 minutes left in the game and to score four straight goals in a span of about seven minutes and force overtime uh, was, was something I've never seen before. It was incredible. So. Yeah, it was a pretty resilient team, and they were never out of it in any way, shape, or form, but, you know, to be down in a Game 7 where you know you're out if you lose and and still to find a way in two different Game 7s was truly remarkable.
1: This is a very unique year for the Colorado Eagles as you guys are making the move up to the American Hockey League this summer. So when did the players know that this was going to happen that this was going to be their last shot to do it together and how much did that kind of motivate them and how much was it talked about that hey you know what let's do this because it's our last chance to do it together
0: well everybody knew you know coming into the start of the season uh what what the the situation was going to be and that this would be the last opportunity here to, to try to get that accomplished i think that there were uh, a lot of guys who were motivated by that and i think they were motivated in the fact that you know what you come out here and you have a great season and you impress the right people then you know maybe you have an opportunity to come back here uh next year when the team moves up to the american league because they've seen firsthand what you could do and what you're capable of and what you bring to the locker room so i think there was some good motivation from that and then as the the playoffs approached uh it was just like any other team you know you've worked so hard for 72 games and now here's your opportunity if you can if you can get hot and you can play your best hockey to, to maybe win a championship and i think uh you know, it, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about it ever at any point. Um, the, the only time I've, I've heard any talk about it really is is after the season's over, and and you know, people bring it up that you know that's it for for the Eagles with the ECHL, and then now it's the AHL. And up until then, the guys really just they didn't talk about it. It was uh, focusing on the task at hand. And once the playoffs started, it was very easy because you, you all had that same one goal in mind, and that was to, to try to win a championship, which. As you know, it's it's so hard to do, and and, uh, it takes your complete focus, and you can't be worried about anything else and have any chance to win that championship.
1: It sounds crazy to say, and I almost don't want to say it because I want to make sure that you get a chance to enjoy your second championship in as many years for as long as you can. But opening night is going to be here relatively short time, about four months away. So what's the balance for the organization between the excitement of winning the Kelly Cup, the excitement of moving up to the American Hockey League, and oh, by the way, there's probably going to be a lot of work to do.
0: Well, yeah, there's no question there's a lot of work to Yeah, I, I know some of those pieces have, have been starting to... Uh, to fit into place you know towards the back half of of this last regular season and behind the scenes and things that are going on uh, just to prepare for that move but I mean from uh, up and down this office staff and things that everybody has to do that's going to start here really soon I mean there's just no way around it there's going to be some renovations done to the Budweiser Event Center those are going to start here in the next week Uh, but uh, inside this office just to prepare for the changes at hand uh, yeah I think you pretty much get maybe another couple of days uh, to enjoy this one. And I would imagine by next week it's, um, it's starting to dive in and, and move forward. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a big process. There's a lot of work for every single department. So you just try to make sure that uh, you don't get caught by the eight ball and you're, you're ready to go. So I would imagine next week uh, it's going to become shifting of gears and, and looking towards next year.
1: You guys have one of the best fan bases in the league. You sell out almost every game during the course of a season. This will be your third league in less than a decade for the Eagles. What's the fan reaction been like getting a chance to taste championship success last year to now making the move up to another level?
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's a lot of similarity between um, this move and, and what we saw um, for the fans when when they moved from the Central Hockey League to the, to the ECHL. Uh, just because there's a little bit more unknown, and you had won two championships in the CHL, and I think that uh, maybe some fans were a little apprehensive and said, "Hey, gosh, you know what? We've we've done really well in this league. Is this is this the best thing to move to another league?" And uh, you know, then you have a little success in in the ECHL, and now people are saying, "Well, gosh, do we <laughs> do we want to move?" And you know, what? once we moved to the ECHL, people loved it; they absolutely loved it. And I think that once uh, they see what the AHL uh, brings to the table, they're going to love it, especially with the natural affiliation with the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, it's 40 minutes down the road, uh, right down the highway from us. So uh, to have the ability to all of a sudden now see players that will play for the Eagles and then maybe uh, two nights later be playing for the Avalanche on a call-up just down the road, I think that's going to be really thrilling for these fans. And, you know, to to see uh, the the great stars of the future of the next couple of years playing here to start, not just for Colorado, but for the other teams you see, I think it's, It's going to be really exciting. But, again, it's always a little nerve-wracking when uh, it's something new. Uh, That was the case when you moved to the ECHL, and and, uh, when it was all said and done, people loved it in the ECHL, no doubt about it.
1: Those are definitely some big highlights for moving up to the AHL, obviously. Better players, like you said, a closer pipeline with the Avalanche. But looking back to the last seven years in the ECHL, what do you take away from it?
0: Uh, You know, the thing I take away from the ECHL is is just that it's – it's a, a great spot with uh, a lot of great teams, a lot of great fan bases. I had a tremendous amount of fun here. Uh, one thing is, is you know, you, you end up going to some places you don't think you'll ever go to in your entire life. I mean, I've been to to Alaska probably fifteen times, and I never thought I'd go there once in my life. And it, it's such a neat place, and you, you discover some some wonderful new places. Uh, you know, going to Boise, I thought was probably my favorite road trip uh, anywhere in the league. It's just such a cool place. But again, you. I'd never been there prior to that. And and now you you know about some, some real gems that are out there. So there's great hockey in this league. Uh, I I think the numbers speak for themselves that uh, you have over 600 players who have been in this league that have gone on to the NHL. You see the playoff battles and and just how exciting uh, these matchups have been. Um, Yeah. I've nothing but absolutely great memories of it. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's strange. You go from the CHL and you're, you're going and playing and, Amarillo, and, uh, you're playing in, in Bossier Shreveport shreeport and all of a sudden you're, you're going to Alaska and Idaho, and, uh, now you move and, and uh, you see some new teams and you see some old faces. It'll be nice to, 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 revisit places like Ontario and Bakersfield and, and, uh, and see those folks there. And, um, but yeah, as far as the time here, great memories and, uh, great, great teams, great fan bases, and, um, you know, there's a lot of good things going on right now in the UCHL.
1: It's a bummer that we here in Wheeling never got a chance to go out to Colorado and vice versa, but uh, certainly you guys, the Colorado Eagles, left a great impression on the ECHL, both what you did, building your fan base, having success on the ice, and I have no doubt that you guys will do terrific in the AHL. Kevin, congratulations again on back-to-back Kelly Cups. Go get a Calder Cup in the AHL, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day hey
0: i appreciate it and uh best of luck to uh, to wheeling to the nailers to everybody out there and uh, have a great off season and the uh, new season's right behind us or uh, right in front of us so not much time to uh, to enjoy the off season so that's okay hockey's right around the corner
1: Big thanks again to Kevin McGlue, the play-by-play broadcaster for the Colorado Eagles, coming off of the team's second straight Kelly Cup championship, and certainly after the run that we had here in Wheeling, getting all the way to the Kelly Cup final in 2016, makes you appreciate what that team was able to accomplish and what Colorado was able to do winning back-to-back years. Before we talked on the interview, Kevin and I chatted briefly beforehand and told me that the Eagles over the last two years have played 192 games. That is A lot of hockey, and as I mentioned during the interview, great for them getting a chance to move up to the American Hockey League. They have a great relationship right there geographically with the Colorado Avalanche, and I'm so happy to see the sport start to go more and more in that direction. And we have the great situation here with Pittsburgh right up the road. Wilkes-Barre Scranton is not very far away to our east. So real great scenario there. Good luck to them. And we look ahead towards 2018-19. So again, we remind you we will be in Las Vegas next week league meetings but don't worry there are going to be some awesome interviews coming up we'll speak with folks from the ECHL on future editions of the toolbox and also Be on the lookout for lots of coverage from Pittsburgh Penguins development camp, looking at some former nailers, some future nailers. I guarantee you we're going to be running into Clark Donatelli, the head coach of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, and I'm sure we'll have plenty more surprises for you throughout the summer. So go out there, enjoy the warm weather. If you're a soccer fan, there's no better time than this with the World Cup. I'll tell you my prediction is Brazil. We'll see how that plays out. So go out there, have some fun, and we'll talk to you soon on the Toolbox.